You're listening to the Pigskin Cafe, a podcast covering the wild world of college football. On tap for today are hot takes, controversy, and analysis on your favorite team. Pull up a seat and your host, Hampton Sipper, will be with you in three, two, one. And we are back. Welcome again into the Pigskin Cafe. My name is Hampton Sipper, and I'll be your host this evening. And joining me is the correspondent at large, Graham Haney, as he has already joined me this season on many NFL podcasts and even a couple SEC-related podcasts. But we're welcoming in, for the first time for 2021, Mr. Auburn Big Papa Shep is in the house. Shep, how you been doing, buddy? Man, I'm doing great, Hampton. I'm so glad to be back. I'm ready to jump into SEC. Are you? I'm pumped, dude. I've been ready, um, ready to jump into SEC since last season ended. Man, I'm, I'm pumped. But what's been new with you? Um, you know, over the last few months. Man, nothing much. Same old, same old. Waiting for college football. I'm like you. Obviously, ended the year on a high note. Ready to see what this year is talking about, but. Let's jump straight in. Let us know. Let the listeners know who our uh, who our sponsors are of the podcast. Yeah, I'd be happy to, man. Um, so we've got Play Action Pools, who they're hosting a pick'em for us this year, and we already had our first week. I didn't do too hot, guys. Uh, Illinois already burst my bubble, and then, <laughs> um, like an idiot, I picked New Mexico State to beat UTEP, and they got crushed. So I'm two of four starting off the year, but hey, the season is young, and we got a whole slate of games this year but if you want to join join in on that feel free to uh, reach out to me i'll send out the link again and uh, we'll be happy to have you join we've got all of our hosts of the pigskin cafe or in the pick'em and we've got a couple you know some listeners in there including um the j boy show who just got picked up by colin cowards the volume um really nice guy and he was happy or kind enough to uh hop in with us this year and uh, being the pick'em, so really looking forward to that. Go support them and all the great stuff they're doing. And then finally, we've got Graham's Vintage Clothing. Um, check out his uh, vintage streetwear for tees, sweatshirts, jerseys, and more vintage clothing on his Instagram at Graham's or his website shopgrams.com. Um, Graham's is a great friend of the pod. He's been on um, a couple of times, I think, and we'll probably have him on again before the season. Um, really gets going and get his insight on um, the SEC and larger uh, college football landscape. But go give him um, some support and uh, be sure to get some of the great stuff that he finds um, in and around Atlanta. But, hey, we thank them for all they do for us. But, guys, let's get into what we're here to talk about today, and that's some SEC football and a little bit. We'll talk about the greater college football, um, you know, landscape kind of as we as we delve into to into tonight's pod uh but you know i think every year it seems kind of like a default uh that alabama's picked to win the sec west even though they lost mac jones now starting quarterback of the new england patriots get out of here cam newton mac jones starting quarterback they lost Najee Harris starting running back for the steelers lost heisman winner Devonte smith they lost Jalen waddle Lost Alex Leatherwood, and guess what? They're still picked 
to be the number one team, not only in the country, but in the, um, in the SEC West. And I had to say personally, that's who I have winning the West. I think uh, their defense is going to be really stout. And we'll kind of dive into that, you know, in a little more in depth as we continue. Uh, I think Bryce Young is going to have a breakout year, and I think he's going to let everyone know uh, the type of talent he is this coming Saturday against Miami. Um, so I got them number one, the West, and, you know, Georgia number one, the East. I think those are two. It's a cliche pick, but I honestly, I just don't see – I see the gap being still wide enough where, you know, a Florida, a Kentucky, even a Missouri, who I think doesn't get talked about enough last year, the kind of season they had with um, Elijah or Elijah Drinkwitz, um, the head coach there, Connor Bazelak coming back at quarterback, and um, they returned some weapons. But I don't think they can truly challenge Georgia for that number one spot. Um, JT Daniels coming back at quarterback. Their defense is going to be um, going to be really good. I don't think it's going to be the same caliber as it was last year, but I still think it's going to be a good unit, probably top three in the conference. But I thought it'd be interesting, guys, to get your opinion. Shep, I'll start with you. Who do you think – is vying for that second spot in either division. And, my, you know, you can kind of take that as one singular team or you can cover, you know, two to three teams that you really think um, might compete for that uh, second-place spot in both uh, both divisions. Yeah, so I'll start with the East. That's – I mean, I think it's pretty much a no-brainer. you got to go either the Gators or really Missouri – um, I think, you know, everybody wants to say Tennessee's back and they've been back for what, like 12 years now and they, they still aren't back. So I, I think you, you hit it pretty spot on with Missouri. They looked pretty, pretty improved last year. They got their quarterback in and, and he was playing really well. So I'm going to go Florida and Missouri kind of tinkering right there at two in the East. Um, and in the West, I really think um, A&M has a, has a good shot this year. Um, their schedule isn't too bad. Um, so I'm going to say A&M and Ole Miss are going to be kind of battling for that number two spot. Okay. Graham, what, what do you uh, – do you agree with Shep or you have a little different take on it? I, I got two different teams than, than Shep does. Shep, I, I like what you're talking about, but to me a team in the East that they're getting a little bit of hype, but maybe they can – you know, vie for that second spot is to me is is Kentucky. I think that I'm right there that with has, you, Graham. I'm right I think there with you. A, a team that is committed to running the football and will do it successfully um, under Coach Mark Stoops. But it seems like this year they finally got a quarterback that can throw it a little bit, which completely will make their their offense more dynamic. You know, last year they uh, they were just run. I mean, they were it doesn't seem like you know just yesterday. They had Lynn Bowden playing, you know, quarterback, wide receiver, punt returner, uh, you know, running back, center, left tackle. He, he played everything. And, you know, we still didn't, you know, last year we still didn't see that uh, that quarterback develop for Kentucky into um, the, the passing game in, in any sense. I think uh, Will Levis for Kentucky, not that he's going to be a superstar, but, man, if he can just throw for, you know, 200 yards a game, I think that Kentucky can really take off in, in the East because they we know they're going to be able to run the football. They'll have a great offensive line, good running backs. But if they can throw it, then the teams in the East better watch out because that will be uh, 
uh, a really dynamic uh, offense for sure. Team I'm looking at in the West, uh, Shep, I'm surprised you didn't mention it, but it's Ole Miss. I think that uh, a second-year Lane Kiffin maybe gets things figured out a little bit on defense. Not completely, but just enough to slow other teams down um, just a little bit. I think that you know Matt Corral is probably poised for a big year, and I think that Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss knows that uh, with you know Hampton, like you said, Alabama replacing and retooling at a lot of spots. That you know if if they're going to make a a shot at it and really show that they could be the top of the West, that maybe it's just a year. And so um, I still think Alabama is going to going to take home the Western crown, but uh, you never know. Ole Miss will come out rowdy and uh, see if they can win a few. Hampton, what do you think? Who, what are you know your two teams, maybe from the East and the West? And you know, if you know you agree with me or Shep, you know, maybe you can just add a little more details to it. Yeah. So you picked my East team to the T, man. I think Kentucky has a legitimate shot to finish second. And let me tell you why. You mentioned um, a lot of reasons. One, I think they've got their quarterback finally, even though he released that cringe video of him eating a banana peel. <laughs> um, hopefully he won't be throwing those around the field. He'll be able to deliver <laughs> some strikes to his receivers. But I think the point you made about being able to keep a defense honest is really what's been holding them back because you got Cavassier Smoke, who was your breakout player last year, Graham, if I remember correctly. Yes, sir. He's coming back and running back. Chris Rodriguez Jr., who I really like. Um, they got a couple other guys that I hadn't really um, heard of, but – Really, with those two, I think that's a good one-two punch. Their offensive line is really, really good. Um, I know every year that they played Alabama, um, even I remember 2016, which was a team that went to the national championship, guys on that team said the most physical team they played all year was Kentucky. And I think that's partly to do with the way that Mark Stoops has recruited that offensive line position um, and the emphasis they have on physicality and running the ball. And I think their offensive line is going to be good this year. Um, I don't really know much about their skill players um, on the outside. Uh, But like you said, I think they're going to be very run dependent. So really they just need, um, you know, that play, you know, work off that play action passing game. And I think that would really benefit them. Their defense is always well coached um, and, you know, really, really good. I know they're losing Kelvin Joseph a really good corner that they had from last year's team. Uh, But I think they're going to be solid. And I just don't – I don't know about y'all. I know Dan Mullen's a good coach, and he does a really good job of developing and catering to the talent he has. But, guys, they're losing – they lost a lot. Not only did you lose a quarterback who, you know, we can discuss the merits of Kyle Trask, and, you know, I don't believe he's ever going to be at a, you know, an elite NFL quarterback. But he was a dang good college quarterback, and a lot of that had to do with having, you know, the fourth overall pick, Kyle Pitts, on your team. And then Kadarius Toney, who was one of the more electric players in college football last year, you're losing both of those guys, and that accounts for, like, I believe 80 to 90% of their passing game. And I just – I have a hard time believing that whoever just steps up in their place is going to be able to replace that type of production. So – um, and their defense last year wasn't very good, and they kept Todd Grantham. So I'm a little down on the Gators, and I'm with you on Kentucky. If we go to the West, Shep, you know, I think we're talking a little bit pre-show. I'm not as high on A&M as everybody else is, and the reason I'm not um, is they're breaking in a new quarterback. 
And I know everyone refers to Jimbo as a quarterback whisperer, but really, outside of Jameis, who who has he really excelled with at that type of level? He hadn't. I mean, Kellen Mond, to me, last year he was more consistent, but he was about the same player that he had been in his entire career there. The same player he was as a freshman as who he ended up as a senior. Um, so I don't, you know, quarterback is kind of a question mark. I love their running back. I love um, Isaiah Spiller and um, what's his name? Uh, Anaya Smith, I think his name. Um, I really like them, and they use Anaya Smith in the passing game too. Um, they got Jalen Widermeyer at tight end, like him. But their offensive line, which was a strength of theirs last year because they really found their identity later in the year running the ball. They're replacing four or five starters on that offensive line. So that, you know, that kind of worries me a little bit. And then their defense, they're returning a ton of starters. And while that was a really good unit last year, I don't know if I would call it an elite unit. I think the only thing really working in their favor, like you said, Shep, their schedule, not very difficult. Um, yeah. So um, I think you made a great point on that. So if they do finish second, I think it would be – yeah, I mean, they're definitely a talented team, but I think the schedule um, really props them up. Um, Ole Miss, I'm not going to pick second due to the fact that I just – I can't buy – I got to see that defense. I got to see them look like they can actually play D1 competitive defense and get a stop and tackle people because last year was a straight-up embarrassment. Alabama, I th- when, they, when Alabama played them, I think they got like 730 of 770 – available yards, which is just insane. I mean, that I've never quite heard a stat like that. Um, but if they do improve, like you said, Graham, you're 100% right. That offense is ready to strike with Matt Corral. He's got weapons. Lane Kiffin is offensive guru, so watch out for them. But my team, LSU, and the reason I say LSU is I think they're going to rebound from last year. I think last year was a perfect storm of – you know, Coach Gumbo getting a li- into a little trouble off the field and have, being a little distracted, if you know what I mean. Um, I think losing, you know, some guys to opt-outs, being a really young team, I don't think they picked the right quarterback to begin with. And this year, you know, another year of experience, Max Johnson I think is a good quarterback. Um, I don't think he's elite, um, but I think he's really steady. He's not going to turn the ball over. And he's got weapons. Kayshawn Boutte is one of the top receivers in this conference. They've got Brian Thomas Jr., who's a freshman who I was really high on coming out of high school. Um, they're running back, so I think they're still trying to – I read a quote that uh, Orgeron still wants to see a little bit more from them. Um, but their defense is going to be talented. Stingley coming back. Um, maybe he'll rebound and kind of you know return to his freshman form. They got Sage Ryan at safety. Um, you know, their D line is going to be deep. Linebackers, um, you know, they they just recruit really well. So LSU is going to be my sleeper team. Now it's going to, I think, their first game is important, very important to them because if they fall flat and UCLA to me, granted it was Hawaii, looked really impressive against them. And if they come in that game sleepwalking, they might be on upset alert. And if they lose that game, that season, it could kind of implode from there. But LSU would be my team, you know, second in the second in the West. Uh, Graham, what do you make of that, man? No, I, I, I agree. I think LSU last year was a team that 
you know, coming off a, a national championship, had, had a lot of pressure on their back. You know, I, and I think that, you know, they were sort of in the situation that Alabama is this year, that they were, they lost a lot of depth. They lost a lot of starters. They lost a lot of guys to the NFL. And last year they just weren't able to put all the pieces together. And it started off with a bad, bad performance against Mississippi state. Abysmal. Uh, yeah. Against in Baton Rouge against, you know, the Mike Leeches of Mississippi state. And so I think that, you got to really value the game that they played this week against UCLA. And um, Hampton, I watched that game. I wasn't, you know, awestruck by UCLA, but they did a great job of uh, getting turnovers uh, Mm -hmm. on Hawaii. And they were able to move the football on offense, which is something that, you know, the past few years UCLA has sort of struggled to do uh, under um, Chip Chip Kelly. Yeah. And so I think if LSU is able to slow them down, um, then, then maybe they have a good chance to win this week. And, you know, we know that, you know, a good season has to start with a good week one. And they uh, go to um, Los Angeles to play. Things have changed up a little bit this week for them, you know, going to Houston to, to practice and, and try and get ready for the game. But I just don't know if I'm sold on LSU again. Again, the quarterback situation, Max Johnson was was the guy last year, the, you know, the best product they could put on the field. But, to me, he's not a elite quarterback, which you kind of see out of uh, Mac Jones I'd agree or with that. Joe Burrow. And so I, I think that the offense is held back a little bit by him, but I, I agree. I mean, guys like Keyshawn Boutte uh, for LSU, they, they have great weapons, and uh, LSU's been really recruiting well these past few years. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see for sure. On Florida, it, it'll, it really will tell. I mean, if Dan Mellon's such a great coach – We'll have to see it because they did lose a lot of offensive weapons, and uh, especially losing a quarterback like Trask, Kyle, Pitt, you know, tight end Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony. Like those are your big three, and a guy like Kyle Pitts is honestly one of those like once in a generation type talents that you, absolutely you can't yeah. replace Kyle Pitts no matter who you put out there. And so it, it'll be interesting to see for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that the SEC West this year is very unproven. There, there's a lot that can be you know, up for grabs this year because of you know, mm-hmm. new coaches, new starters, and uh, everything that's going I, on with that. So I, I, I think it'd be good. Go ahead. Yeah, let me ask you a question. Then, Shep, um, after Graham answers, I want you to answer. So we talked about all these teams that we think can finish, you know, that we think can finish second in their respective divisions and, Another point I want to make on LSU, I for, forgot that um, opposite Derek Stingley, they have um, Elias Ricks, who I think um, he played pretty well his freshman year, highly touted guy coming out of Louisiana. I think in year two he's going to make a significant jump, and they're going to have one of the better you know one-two combos at corner. Um, and, you know, that'll be – you know, when you have that on defense, that allows you to be – a lot more versatile in what you can do because you can trust those guys on the boundary to maybe lie down an opposing team star receiver. But transitioning a little away from those second-place teams, we're all picking Alabama to win the West. Here's my question, Graham. If they don't win the win the West, what is going to be the reason as to why they don't? I, I think it's going to be offense. I think it's going to be you know, the Bill O'Brien system – is it going to translate from the NFL to college football? Several years ago, he was the head coach of Penn State, 
and you know he, he did a great job there. They were in a, a yeah, program, in, program in complete disarray, uh, facing lots of sanctions and stuff like that. And he he really did a great job to make the most of that situation, and then you know, from a coaching standpoint, did a fairly good job at you know with Houston, just was a terrible GM, and so. Mm-hmm. Me, if he can translate that to Bryce Young being efficient with the football, not turning it over, we know that Alabama will probably be able to run the ball. Just they just have good running backs. I mean, they you know, guy like Trey Sanders is going to be back. You know, hopefully we'll get to see him play this year. Kind of struggled to see the past few years. Brian mm-hmm. Robinson coming back. Um, to me, I I think the defense is a little bit more sure than it was last year. But if Bryce Young can't be that elite quarterback that people are saying that he is. It's not efficient with the football, then I, I think that could be uh, Alabama's downfall. And I, I think part of that blame would have to go on Bill O'Brien uh, if that's not able to translate. Shep, what do you think about that? If Alabama doesn't win the West, what's the reason why? Uh, I think the only reason that they could possibly not win the West is having to play Ole Miss and AM back to back. I just see it like, I mean, it's right there in the middle of the year when you can get last lackadaisical. And, uh, I mean, obviously we intend Ole Miss to put up a lot of points. And so it, it's actually better that – I feel more confident beating Texas A&M than beating Ole Miss just because you never know what Lane Kiffin's offense can do, whereas you can kind of see Jimbo has kind of been hindered in offense sometimes, I guess, not really by the talent, but just by play calls and things of that such, QB play. Um, so I'd really just say it's having to play Ole Miss and then having to play A&M right there early in October is really the only thing. I mean, you got – I mean, uh, Jalen – what's his name? Jalen Milrow? Yeah. He was – allegedly he was supposed to be the backup, and now the man is like switching numbers and potentially playing a different position. So, I mean, if worse comes to worse, they, they put that man in and let him run the Wildcat. I mean, he can – He'll be the next Jalen Hurts if that happens, but I, I think it's really just Ole Miss and A and M back to back. Yeah, I think that's a great point that you make, Shep. And another thing with them playing Ole Miss and A and M back to back, Ole Miss is coming off a bye the week that they play Alabama, and mm-hmm. I think uh, that's another week for Lane Kiffin to game plan and cause headaches for this Alabama defense. So that's going to be very, very interesting. Uh, to how, you know, Saban and Golden kind of combat that. Uh, Graham, I think you made a good point about Bill O'Brien. I don't, myself, I don't have too many question marks about him, mainly because Alabama, Alabama's offense is Alabama's offense. And whoever the offensive coordinator is kind of adds to it, but like the base core principles are the same. Um, now, I'm interested to see his play-calling approach as, you know, is it going to be 60-40 pass? Is it going to be a split 50-50 pass and run? Um, you know, that type of thing. Personnel groupings, are we going to be running a lot of 11 personnel, a lot of 12? Um, you know, a lot of two tight end, which is 12 personnel. Dumb, dumb me. But um, I'm not too worried about that. I'm not worried about Bryce Young at all. And I might be very arrogant of me. But that is, I, it is. But he can't see over the line, bro. Okay, Kyler Murray can't either. He was the number one draft pick. Whoa. Uh, okay, that's different. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. 
<laughs> yeah, but he he wasn't um, going into his junior or senior year. He wasn't, and no one really had questions about his height. And I and Bryce Young's taller than him. Um, I think Bryce will be just fine. I'm not worried about him in the slightest. I think he's got elite uh, pocket awareness. I think he's got great escapability, a great ability to keep his eyes downfield as he scrambles, good accuracy. Um, I think he's going to be one of the, like, I think Tua and, you know, Mac and Jalen were kind of all, well, more so Tua and Mac were very much pocket passers. I mean, you know, they can move a little bit, Tua more so than Mac, but Bryce is going to be unlike any quarterback we've had or the Alabama's had, you know, during Saban's tenure. So I think, um, I think he'll be fine. I'm not really worried about receiver. I think John Mechie coming back is going to be fine. Jamison Williams is a name that people need to know about, the transfer from Ohio State. I've heard glowing reviews about him, and I think he's going to be an elite deep threat. Um, and I think he's going to um, – I mean, he's obviously going to start game one. I think he's going to make his uh, presence known quickly. But my biggest question – is that offensive line. Uh, and the reason is you got Evan Neal at left tackle. Feel great about him. Feel fantastic about him. Javion Cohen at left guard, unproven, but he's been at left guard from spring on, and there hadn't really been any competition. I think um, they're really confident in him. Center still a toss-up, which I was shocked to hear. Um, Saban talked about that, I believe, last week. Um that it was between Chris Owens and Darian Dalcourt. And, you know, Chris Owens is, a, you know, coming upon, I think, his sixth year in the program. So, you know, I don't know how great that bodes well for him. Apparently he, he's been having some snapping issues. But I think I like Dalcourt a lot. I think his upside is really good. His leverage, his, um, you know, his drive off the ball is really good. I think he's very fundamentally sound with his pad level and everything, so I think he'd be good. Right guard, Emil Echior's a little banged up. Um, I don't know if he's going to play in game one. And then at right tackle, Kendall Randolph, projected starter, he's banged up. His ankle got a little bit of a bum ankle, so he may play against Miami, or they may have to start true freshman J.C. Latham, who has immense upside and talent, but he's a true freshman. So to me, if Alabama doesn't win at all, it'll be because – be because that offensive line is not cohesive as a unit and hadn't, you know, doesn't fully gel. Um, because I don't think, I don't think this is an offense where it can be like either two or Mac in the past few years where we could literally win the game by throwing the ball 30 to 40 times. Um, I think this team needs to be predicated on run the ball because Graham, your point about the running backs was perfect because in my opinion it's the best running back core in the country because you mentioned Brian Robinson and Trey Sanders let me tell you who's going to be the stud and who's going to be the real breakout Jason McClellan I think Jason McClellan is going to have an incredible year Um, he's really physical in between the tackles he can catch the ball at the backfield he also has the ability though to hit the home run and I think as much as I love Najee Harris Najee is one of the best running backs we've had under Saban, that was not exactly his strong suit. <laughs> was breaking off 70 to 80-yard runs, and Jace broke off a couple last year. So I think he, he's a guy to keep his eye, 
keep your eye on. Um, but I think if the offensive line isn't you know, able to successfully run block and it's all on Bryce, that's going to be a recipe for disaster. No, I th- I think that makes perfect sense. I mean that I think that definitely plays into part of um, my take, which was you know you know Bryce Young not being efficient. I was thinking more of like worst case scenario, like well if Alabama's not going to win at all, it's because of this and that and that. And so I, I think that you know definitely if the offensive line is is not up to par, quarterback play is not good, having a tough schedule in you know early October, I, I think all those things could combine for you know in a worst case scenario. Hopefully not two losses in October, but you know a, a tough season and uh, hard to repeat what you did last year, especially when you had record you know record breakers and uh, Mac Jones and you know Heisman Trophy winner Devontae Smith. I mean this offense has a lot of shoes to fill, and uh, mm-hmm. that even include, includes Bill O'Brien. So I think this offense has a lot to prove and is uh, untested in some way. So it'll be fun to watch uh, that watch them going forward. And uh, you get a good matchup in Miami starting week one. So I, I think that, you know, from the beginning, you're at least going to get somewhat of a test to see how ready you how ready you are. Are you are you actually going to be able to take a chance this year, make it to the college football playoff, or is this a year where, uh oh, is this going to be Nick Saban's last year because Alabama loses two games and we need to fire the whole program? You know, I, mm-hmm. I just don't know. Yeah, great point, man. And before we move on to breakout players and you know projecting those for this upcoming year I want I want to get your opinion on I don't I don't see any coaches right now that could be on the hot seat and you know you know that could obviously change I mean Jeremy Pruitt was not on the hot seat going into last year and then he hit you know the season imploded and they were handing out dollar bills and McDonald's bags, apparently. And he was on his way out. Now they got Josh Heupel, who's talking about how great a culture they built because of how his team takes the stairs or something like that. So it can change quickly. It can change week to week. So I don't really see any teams that are looking to fire their head coach. But I want to talk about one of the new hires in the conference. I want to talk about Brian Harson and Auburn. What are your expectations for them going into this year? Is 500 a good year, a good expectation? I mean, I think that you – know, I think it's realistic. Yeah, I think that, you know, Brian Harzen, like we talked about whenever uh, they made that hire, that to me, he not that he's the same in, you know as Gus, but when you look at his previous track record at Boise State, he was the 9-3, and 8-4 and four kind of coach, which is fine. Like, that's, you know, that's good football and, you know, down the road, that's a really good win percentage, but Auburn has high expectations for their coaching staff. They want to win the SEC. They want to make it to the national championship. They want to beat Alabama, beat Georgia all in one year. And those are big shoes to fill. And, you know, they have, you know, running back and tank Bigsby, who could be the best in the conference, you know, will be a red shirt freshman, you know, because of COVID eligibility, you know, he's great. Mm-hmm. Bo Nix has some experience. Besides that, their offense to me is very lackluster. I mean, who's who's Bo Nix going to throw the ball to? He can't hand it off to Tank every time. Oh, let me tell you who he's going to throw the ball to, Graham. Demetrius Robertson, a five- or six-year senior who hadn't done deadly squat since his freshman year at California. That's his number one receiver going into this year. Yeah. So 
If you're that, Auburn a fan, that should make you feel really good. Yeah, I think that you know, it's always tough for Auburn playing Alabama and Georgia in the same year. It'll be tough. I mean, I, I think that, yeah, it, it, it'll be tough. You know, I, hopefully Auburn <laughs> fans are a little bit patient this year. But I, I just don't know. I, I think when you look at the West, who do you like more between, you know, Auburn A&M, Auburn LSU, Auburn, you know, Ole Miss. Auburn's not getting very many favorable matchups in the West. You know, maybe they're better than, you know, than Arkansas, maybe. But I, I like what Sam Pittman's doing there. And, you know, that that could be the team that it makes a run at Auburn. Eh, not too high on this year. I'm with you, Graham. I'm absolutely with you. Um, I think they're um, – I just think their offensive talent isn't great. Now, on defense, I think, you know, you got Zacoby McClain and Owen Papo at linebacker. You got Smoke Monday, um, who's a solid player in the back end. Uh, their defensive line is apparently pretty solid. I also got Chandler Wooten at linebacker slash – Star, so I think they're going to be all right on that side of the ball. But like, I mean, I'm not a believer in Bo Nix. Um, I think he's got immense talent, but I think his process, his feel for the game as far as the quarterback position needs to dramatically improve. And maybe Harson and Bobo worked magic on him this offseason. Maybe they consulted the Auburn voodoo juju, um, Lord and he concocted something and maybe Bo was ready to go this year. I don't know, but just based on prior performance, I can't, I got to see it before I'm ready to make that proclamation. Tank Bigsby, I think is the best running back in the SEC. Really, really good player, but you don't want to do what you did to carry on Johnson and ride him so much that by the end of the year, he's in pieces, you know, um, so I think they got to do a delicate balancing act there. Don't love their receiving talent. Their O line is mediocre at best. Um, so I'm with you. I don't think it's going to be a great year for Harson. If he can get if if they go eight and four, nine and three, he might he might deserve Coach of the Year in the SEC. I wholeheartedly like. I'm not joking. Like I really believe that because they go on the road to Penn State. You got Georgia, Alabama, like you said, LSU, A and M. Man, it's a tough schedule. So I think if he went, if he did that, um, you know, Auburn would, I think, would be really going in the right direction. But I'm, I feel more six and six, seven and five type record. Shep, you got any thoughts on uh, Harson in year one down on the plains? Dude, I, yeah, I, I'm a little different from y'all. I'm thinking more like eight and four, seven and five. Um, I think that he is a really good coach. Um, I think it, it's going to obviously take him a while to get some of his own style players, but I, I've read a couple articles where he's like, he's in the weight room working out with them. Like he, he seems to be a coach that they're going to want to run through a wall for. And um, I just think that that can translate on the field. And obviously when you have one of the best running backs in the country, um, that that's really easy to do. And uh, really when he was at Boise state, um, they really like they really pounded the football and it opened up so much in the passing game and I think that's what can happen this year with tanks big tank Bigsby so I'm going eight and four for Auburn I, I think he's gonna have a pretty good year to start um I know Penn State's ranked 
like what 15 right now, but I mean, you never know what Penn State's going to be or what they're not going to be. So I think really, I mean, if they start off the first four games and they're four and oh, I mean, they're going to at least be three and one. So, yeah, I mean, they, should, really they should easily be three yeah. and oh going into that Penn State game or, uh, I mean, or be two and oh going in that Penn State yeah, game. Yeah, two and oh, so three I mean, and one after their first four. Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, your first four, your three and one, like you've got a lot of momentum, a lot of building up on and improving. Really, I mean, you got Akron and you got Alabama State your first game. Like those, even if those are big learning point games, they're not going to be close score wise. So mm-hmm. I, I think that can really help them as the way their schedule's set up. But it, it could definitely be a rocky second half, middle of the season. Um, but, but I have some faith in Harson. I'm not a big Auburn guy, but with Tank Bigsby, I, I think he, he can really make a huge difference. Yeah. My, yeah no. Go ahead, Graham. Uh, I was just going to add a little bit of what Shep said. Yeah, I mean, if you're Auburn and, and you can play it to a field goal game, I, I mean, I like Anders Carlson, um, you know, kicking field goals for Auburn. So if they can keep it close, you know, they can win it at the end. And uh, maybe that turns a 6-6 a six and six team into an 8-4 and four team if, you know, they get two close games and just – edge it out uh maybe so and right. uh, uh, th- just to go back on what you said about um you know with harson you know trying to get his players to run through a wall i mean i, I think gus tried that because they'd run about the same two or three plays they love you know, gus run, oh. <laughs> run up the middle run up the middle oh run up the middle. Oh, dang kick the, kick the field goal and so now I, I think if you if you really can get a coach that can motivate players like that that can make a huge difference uh because you know it in you know, college football, a lot of these teams have similar talent, you know, outside of, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, you know, maybe even, you know, Georgia. There can be, they can be all be very similar. It can be to who plays the best schematically, physically, and, you know, the mental side of I'm, I'm just going to go out there and run through the wall. And so, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that can, that can definitely, uh, prove to be an Auburn's favorite if that's the case. Go ahead, Hamden. Yeah, my only yeah, – this will be my last point, then we can move on to breakout players. The only – I know, you know, run through a wall and, you know, he's talking about how, you know, the elevators are reserved for injured players. He wants his players to take the stairs because that's the hard way and all this stuff. And, you know, that's all great and good. But when he got hired at Boise State, Boise State was at – probably a top five to top ten program in the nation, regardless of being power five, group of five, anything. Chris Peterson had elevated that program to such a level that they, I mean, they were a sleeper contender for the BCS year in, year out. And to me, when it look, when I look at his coaching record, first year he goes 12-2, and two, and that's mainly with Peterson's talent. So twelve and two. Next year nine and four. Then ten and three. Then eleven and three. Ten and three. Twelve and two. Five and two. And to me, he took a program that was really really good, and he kind of I'm not saying they like sunk to like the bottom of the barrel, but to me they definitely took a step back. And I think with Auburn, they're trying to take a step up. And you know I don't think I mean I get Gus was, you know had some mediocre years, but Gus, you know, he had some really good years too. 2013, 2017, 2019 was pretty good. Um, And I think it's going to be hard 
for him to live up to the expectations of the Auburn fan base and the, the boosters and all the alumni are expecting from him. And I think he's got an uphill battle with that. And um, based on his previous track record, it'll, it's a wait and see for me, um, especially with his recruiting, because I don't think he's recruited exceptionally well. I think it's going to take him a little bit to learn um, how the South operates a little bit. Um, so that's definitely something to watch. And, uh, you know, they're going to be an interesting team this year because I don't really fully – I don't fully know what to expect from them. Uh, but hey, hey, can I, Yeah, I was yeah. going to mention one last thing. You know, you said Gus had a great year in 2013. You know, probably is, you know, his best season. I mean, he comes in. Oh, absolutely. You know, takes over from Gene Chizik, you know, takes him to the national championship game. Yes, they lose, but man, what what an exciting year. Lots of thrilling finishes. But I think that he set the bar so high the first year that he, he had trouble meeting and exceeding that bar. So if you're uh, – if great you're, point. If you're Brian Harson, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world to go six and six your first year because next year when you go eight and four, you can say we got better, we got better. Yeah, you, know, you know, then you go nine and three and ten and two. You know, you people can see that improvement. You know, I, I think that you know Gus, for what he's worth, did have those good years and you know start off in 2013 having such a great year. You know, I, I think the bar was set so high that the only way you could match that was a national championship, and you know Alabama sort of took off after that. That was like the mo- another momentum sling to say, you know, we almost had Auburn in, in, in 2013. Yep. And what happened? They got us. And so, um, you know, Auburn got close, but they didn't finish. So, to me, if Harzen has a, a an okay year, it's probably not the worst thing in the world because he can build on it and get better. And uh, for Auburn's sake, you, you just want to see improvement. You know, if you're an Auburn fan, I, I think that, you know, what the pressure that was on Gus, you know, maybe it's not on Harson, you know, mm-hmm. year one. So we can keep moving on. That's just what I thought about just as we were talking about that. There's something to say for the consequences that come for too high of expectations too soon. Awesome point by you. Um, and I think that's a good segue into, you know, talking about expectations. Who are we expecting in the SEC this year to kind of break out? Um, so Shep, I'm going to go to you first, man. Give me one player and really quickly um, explain why you think uh, they're going to, you know, be someone to watch this year um, and who hadn't really been talked about a whole lot. Um, well, I think, I mean, obviously I, I feel like us three are going to know this guy, but I really think um, Alabama receiver Jojo Earl. Dang it. Um, he's been, he's kind of, kind of one of those sleeper guys, but all throughout camp. I've read a lot of articles where there's, he's a lot like, um, Jalen Waddle, Waddle. Um, yeah. if not maybe a little more athletic, maybe not like fine tuned as Waddle. Um, but I, I'm really looking forward to seeing him play. And uh, really, dude, I, that's really my guy. I, I'm kind of all in on him at the moment to to see what he can prove. I mean, he's taken over on uh, what is it, punt returns and kick returns. So I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of pressure. So. I'm really thinking. I'm really thinking Jojo Earl. Um, what, what, what about you, Graham? What do you, who are you thinking as your breakout guy? Hebden, the the guy that I'm picking is somebody that Hebden trashed earlier. Oh no! But I I think he I think he might have a good year. I'm going with Haynes King, quarterback from Texas A&M. Mm. 
I didn't trash him. What are you talking about? Hampton, you you did kind of trash him, bro. Excuse, excuse me. Hampton had unfavorable remarks towards Haynes King of Texas A&M. What did I say that was unfavorable? I just said I hadn't seen anything from the kid. Well, I have. I, okay. I've, <laughs> okay. I, okay. I'll I, I tell you what. Last year in the Texas A&M-Alabama football game, the leading rusher for Texas A&M was Haynes King, the backup quarterback. And so, to me, I think that's a guy that could be a dual threat guy. I also see that, you know, A&M's returning you know, some of their, you know, playmakers from last year, Isaiah Spiller running back, you know, Jalen Weidermeyer tied in. You know, maybe they can get some, some good output from the receivers. But to me, I think why he could be a breakout candidate is because for all that Kellen Mond was worth to Texas A&M, he still really wasn't. Jimbo Fisher's guy. He he was a Kevin Sumlin guy that came in. Jimbo fine-tuned him the best that he could be, but maybe he wasn't the best fit for, for that offense at times. I, I think the Haynes King, a guy that Jimbo recruited, will coach up, has t- has had time to you know sit and learn from a, a guy like Kellen Mond to understand the Jimbo system and can maybe even take the next step. You know, to, to really overperform, I'm not saying he's going to be a Heisman contender. I'm just saying that maybe he could be a a quarterback that Texas A&M can say, you know what, we don't mind having it in his hands when the game's on the line. So uh, I'm going with, with Haynes King, quarterback from Texas A&M, you know, to have a breakout year. Hampton, who you got? And I just, I just have a feeling it's going to be somebody from Alabama. So go ahead and give us all the details on that. Well, it was going to be a guy from Alabama. Shep hadn't uh, stolen from me and JoJo Earl. That was going to be, that was going to be my guy because uh, I think he is going to be a pivotal player for the tie this year. And I, I, you know, now I can't pick him, and I'm not going to pick another Alabama player. I'm going to try to be, um, try to be a little more creative. I'm going to go with a guy that I mentioned earlier from LSU. I'm going to go with Brian Thomas Jr., the receiver out of Louisiana, and the reason I'm going with him, so we talked about Kayshawn Boutte, who I think um, is arguably the top receiver in the league going into the year um, with what he showed last year toward toward the end of the season. And I think Brian Thomas has um, elite physical traits. I think he's I think he's 6'4". Um, let me look that up real quick. But he's, um, he's really long. He has um, good speed, not elite speed. Um, I think he's got um, quick feet. Um, yeah, I was right. He was 6'4", because Alabama was really involved in his recruiting. 6'4", um, good hands. I know that this is going to sound a little weird, but when I watched his tape last year, he reminded me of like a taller Jerry Judy a little bit um, with his ability to kind of stop, start, um, quick, you know, quick moves with his feet, cutting in and out. And I think they really need – a second receiver to step up to compliment uh, Kayshawn Boutte, and I think he's going to be the guy to do it. Um, another guy is Coy Moore for them. Um, apparently they're really high on him. But I'm going to go with Brian Thomas Jr. I think he's going to do um, some pretty big things this year. And, uh, you know, LSU's going to have a really good passing game. I think Max Johnson's a good distributor, and Brian Thomas is going to add to that. I like those guys. I think that, you know, LSU, you know, 
definitely has to rebound from last year. I think another performance like last year and Coach O is out the dough. And uh, I think that, you know, Shep, like you talked about JoJo Earl, you know, we, we've heard of his explosiveness, you know, compare him to Waddle. That's some big shoes to fill. And maybe Haynes King, you know, isn't terrible. And maybe it's just kind of like, oh, well, I wasn't exactly right, but he wasn't terrible. So I like mm-hmm. him. Yeah. No, I, I think so too. And I like both of y'all's picks. And I think they're definitely going to be breakout players this year. And hopefully, I think last year we were pretty good with our breakout picks. I had Will Anderson. Um, and you know, he broke out in a big way and I think he's going to have a huge year this year. And you had Cavassier smoke who showed some flashes and, uh, so going to be interesting to watch kind of going forward. And, um, guys, let's get into the fun. I think one of the most fun aspects of our pod is we try to, I mean, a lot of people do this, but I really, I think we do a good job of breaking down the games and breaking down the matchups where, but we're going to pick some of these top week one games and I hate, you know, our buddy Suave who's coaching for uh, Bishop Sycamore uh, tonight. And that's why he couldn't, <laughs> why he couldn't join us. Um, <laughs> and he's out running the cops because there's a warrant out for his arrest. Um, but um, hey, he couldn't join us tonight because I know he loves doing pickups, but let's get right into it. Um, we're going to start real, real quick. I want to give you, I'm going to give you two games um, that are, on Thursday, one is on Thursday night, one is on Friday night. I want you to give me your your quick winner um, and a brief reason why, and you can talk about their team as a whole and what you what you think, and then we'll kind of get into the four or five main games from Saturday. That sound good with y'all? Let's do it. Yes, Let's do it. All right, so the first game we got, Ohio State and Minnesota. Uh, this is an interesting game to me, mainly because Ohio State – Next week plays Oregon. They're hosting Oregon. And, you know, there's a potential that they could be overlooking Minnesota under P.J. Fleck, who has had, you know, they didn't have a great year last year. But before that, um, they had had pretty good um, success under him. So, Shep, who do you, who you got winning this matchup? And what do you think of um, – do you think Ohio State is going to be right back in that college football playoff race again? Yeah, I, I think Ohio State play with this one. Uh, obviously, you would hope Minnesota to kind of take a step forward after last year was was mediocre with PJ Fleck. But I really think um, the next week when they play Oregon can definitely um, shake up the college football landscape uh, after after next week. But this week, I think they hold on. Graham, your thoughts is Ohio State back? Are they going to be missing Justin Fields? What what do you think is going on there? To me, I just think Ohio State has too much talent. I mean, yeah, the quarterbacks, you know, kind of question. Um, I think C.J. Stroud's the guy up there. Um, mm-hmm. But, but I mean, you look at the weapons he has, you know, like Master T at running back, you know, Mayan Williams, you know, Chris Olave. I think this offense Jared just – Wilson. Yeah, I think this offense just has too many weapons for, you know, Minnesota to keep up with. Um, you know, last year they're – Minnesota's, you know, Biggest player, Rashad Bateman, couldn't really decide whether he wanted to play or not. And so, um, I, yeah, I think Minnesota and P.J. Fleck will be ready to row the boat and ready to play uh, you know, week one. But I, I think you know the first quarter might be close, but I think second quarter, you know, Ohio State's really just going to start you know, putting it on them. Not that it's going to be a blowout, but I, I think Ohio State just has too much talent here. Hampton, what yeah. do you think? Um, I'm with y'all. I got Ohio State in this one. I think – 
it's going to be similar to a game I believe they played in 2017. They opened up the year with Indiana, and it was close for about a half into the third quarter, and then by the fourth quarter, Ohio State, you know, that talent gap finally showed, and they pulled away, won by like 10 to 14 points. I kind of have a similar feel for this game. I think they're immensely talented. Stroud is unproven, but has a lot of hype, a lot of accolades surrounding him. And Ryan Day is one of the best quarterback developers in the college game. And I think, you know, he made JT Barrett look really good. Um, And, I mean, JT Barrett was a good college quarterback, but he was very limited um, to me in his – um, you know, his arm strength and some of the tools he had at his disposal. So I think they're going to be fine there. Their defense is going to be um, going to be solid, um, going to be, you know, another year of experience. So give me Ohio State in this one. Um, and then the next game before we get into the Saturday slate is North Carolina going to Blacksburg and facing the Virginia Tech Hokies. Graham, who do you got in this one? And I'll, I'll ask you this real quick, just, you know, yes or no answer. Do you think North Carolina has a legit shot to maybe win the ACC this year? Maybe Do they take that leap under Mac Brown? I, I really like North Carolina. Sam Howell uh, on, on offense for you know, playing quarterback for North Carolina you know, really gives them a shot, a guy that can really throw it around. Uh, you know, North Carolina background lost a, a few close games last year, mm-hmm. um, but to me, Including FSU, which and, I don't know how they lost that one. Yeah, and when you look at the game wise, I mean, I, I think North Carolina has a chance to win the ACC. I mean, the chance. I'm not saying it's going to happen. You know, yeah. but when you the weak conference, you know, Clemson, Notre Dame, you know, the, those are really the only other two that really could stand a shot. You know, in my eyes, right now. But when you look at it, you know, Justin Fuente and Virginia Tech, like Justin Fuente was one of those guys that people kind of expected to get fired. And so recruits weren't coming, you know, transfers weren't coming. Even players that were playing were not very happy with the situation. They stuck with Fuente. And I just don't know if it works out. I, I think that, you know, North Carolina has the talent. If Mac Brown has them prepared, then to me, not this is a cakewalk, but I think North Carolina could this one could win this one uh, pretty big. Shep, what are your thoughts? Mac Brown, North Carolina, Virginia Tech. What do you think? Yeah, I think um, I don't know. I I like North Carolina. I'm kind of with you. Virginia Tech's just like a your Virginia Tech. Like you really haven't been very very in the in the know of, of people's names. I will say though, I don't think North Carolina will be as good this year as they were last year. I know they had some hits last year, but they're missing uh really losing both of their running backs from last year. And uh those guys were workhorses. So Absolutely. I'm not as high on, I'm not as high on North Carolina, but I do think they will be a, a good, you know, above average ACC team. Hampton I mean, is there is there really a question with Virginia Tech? Like, what's going on up there? You know, I mean, I think – didn't they end the season kind of strong last year? You know, like you kind of talked about, Graham, everyone thought Fuente was going to get fired, and he, tur- he turned it around. Um, 
at the last minute. And he was a guy that when he left Memphis, everyone thought he was going to be the heir apparent to Beamer and keep that train rolling, but it hadn't really happened the way they envisioned. Uh, so I don't really like their matchup in this game. I know Blacksburg is going to be rowdy. <laughs> um, and I'm excited to kind of see that atmosphere play out. But North Carolina, I think, is too talented. Sam Howell uh, is a Heisman contender possibly this year. It's going to be interesting to see how they replace Javante Williams and Michael Carter, the two running backs that you mentioned, Shep. And he lost his two best receivers, too, in Deami Brown and Daz Newsom, who I think were really um, solid college receivers last year. Defensively, they got um, Tony Grimes, cornerback, who um, I think he had a really good freshman year last year. Um, they got, you know, Raymond Vahasek at nose tackle, Miles Murphy at defensive tackle. I know Miles Murphy's a really good player for them. He's coming off a freshman campaign, so he'll be a sophomore this year. Um, and I think Mac Brown has continued to elevate that program. and. Um, you know, they've, I think they just reeled in the number one defensive lineman for 2022 class. So um, I think, I don't know if they, I don't think they win the ACC this year. I think Clemson still has a pretty substantial talent gap. And I mean, talk about looking out. Clint, I, I was listening to a podcast earlier. Did y'all realize Clemson doesn't play North Carolina, Miami, or um, who's the other team? I think Florida State wow. might be Florida State in the regular season. Um, I mean, that's just absurd. Um, very much of a cakewalk schedule for them. Um, but, yeah. They give me, are they – does Swath have them scheduled? Goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, they, Bishop Sycamore is their second game after they play uh, play Georgia. They need a little a little tune-up um, going into that, uh, that fierce ACC schedule. Um, uh, okay. You know, you know, Swab's got a little bit of eligibility eligibility left as a grad assistant. He might, you know, get out there at quarterback too and coach the game as well. Um, <laughs> at this point, so who knows with that? But uh, yeah, we all got North Carolina, got all got Ohio State. Let's get into. Uh, we're gonna pick three more games. So we'll start with Alabama, Miami. We'll make it quick. Does everybody think Alabama's gonna win this game? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. I agree. My final prediction, we'll give score predictions for this one just real quick. Mine's going to be 45-20 Alabama. Graham? I'm going to go 38-17 to Alabama. Okay. Shep? 56-17 Alabama. Derek King shouldn't have ran ran his mouth. (laughs) What did he say? What did he say? He was just talking about how they weren't worried about Alabama, yada, yada. Come on, bro. Mm-hmm. You know better than to fuel the fire. You know – look, everybody knows what happened to Florida State once they started running their mouth. Their program has never been the same. They broke the man's leg. Francois, yeah. They broke right. – he, he is forever changed. Yeah. Woo, Derek, I feel bad for you with your left tackle being out. Will Anderson coming around that end? Godspeed, brother. Godspeed. Godspeed. Uh, <laughs> so we'll go to the the marquee matchup in the game. I mean, obviously, as an Alabama fan, I'm most looking forward to our game. But Georgia Clemson is the game of the weekend. And 
I'm, I'm kind of keep going back and forth on who I'm going to pick. So, Shep, I'll start with you, man. Who do you, who do you got in this game? Man, I've I got Clemson 42-28 beating Georgia. Whoa. Just, I mean, man, uh, whatever Clemson's quarterback's name is, the long name, Hawaiian DJ Uyunglele. Yeah, Uyunglele. He can really play. He proved it last year. I think they're going to come out the gates hot, man. I think they're coming out hot. And Graham, I believe last year you perfected his name. So he if did. you will tell us your tell us your score prediction for this game. I, I think that DJ Uangalale for well, Clemson. Uangalale for Clemson, big factor in this game. However, I don't think he's the star quarterback in this matchup. I think JT Daniels with a year under his belt, that Georgia offense was a whole lot better when JT Daniels was playing. I'm going to go with Kirby Smart. I'm going to go with the Georgia Bulldogs. I think that they know that they have to beat the big dogs this year. And a transition from Trevor Lawrence to Uangalale and losing ETN. I think that Clemson is still really good, but I think this is a – a great matchup week one, and I'm going to give the edge to Georgia. I think uh, the defense will probably come out of factor, but to me, JT Daniels, maybe the better quarterback in this matchup. Give me Georgia 34 to 28. That's what I'm going to take. Hampton, what do you think? 34 28. So you're predicting it to come down to the wire, huh? Oh, yeah. Big time. Okay. All right. So full admission at work. Um, yesterday, I wrote a uh, like a college football um, news story and picked. I picked this game, picked Alabama, Miami. I picked Florida State, Notre Dame, and in that pick, I had Clemson winning thirty-eight twenty-eight. But there was some news that came out today that worried me and was kind of like a red alarm just blinking, and that was Dabo Sweeney opening his big fat mouth and saying that they plan to rotate at center against Georgia. Okay, that worries me for this reason, this reason alone. One, Clemson's never been known to have, like, an outstanding offensive line. I think if you can criticize Dabo for anything, I don't think they've ever had an elite offensive line. And, you know, Georgia has a really stout defensive line with Jordan Davis coming back and nose tackle, who's a really good player, and they've got – you know, they're probably – six to seven deep along that front and you got linebackers like Nicobe Dean and um Nolan uh, Smith and Nolan Adam Smith. Anderson. Yeah Adam Anderson. Um yeah I was about to say uh Simeon Rice but he left um to go to go pro and you know Clemson's line isn't great as it is but now you're telling me you're gonna rotate center and that that's not solidified and in you know do DJ's first you know, his first job is the unquestioned starter. And you're going against that defense line. Your offense line is unsettled. Justin Ross, first game back in a year. I don't I don't like it anymore. So I'm going to go Georgia. And I think it's going to be a really tight game because I think Georgia's got legitimate questions too with their offensive line. And, you know, their offensive line against Clemson's defensive line, I don't think it's a good matchup for them. But I'm with you, Graham. JT is more experienced. And while I think his performance last year was a little bit overrated considering he didn't play anybody of substance 
um, down the stretch and, you know, and play really, really well. Even when they played Cincinnati, it was probably the best team they played. I didn't think he performed outstanding, but their wide receiver core is banged up. Jermaine Burton, who I think is a bona fide stud, he, he's hurt. Pickens is out. Uh, you know, Eric Gilbert is, you know, off the reservation. Darnell Washington's hurt. So they've got questions too. But I like – when in doubt, I want to go with a more experienced quarterback. So I'm going to say Georgia, 38, Clemson, 34. Georgia, 38, Clemson, 34. And let me tell you something, guys. If that is the outcome of the game and if it's that close, we're in for a treat because um, that's going to be a great kickoff to the season. Um, transitioning – to I, I lied and said that we're going to pick only three games. I'm going to I'm going to put in one more real quick. LSU UCLA. Does everybody think LSU is going to win, or does someone have UCLA pulling the upset? I, I think I give the edge to LSU, but this could be upset alert. You know, UCLA already having one game under their belt definitely makes a difference, and LSU. Uh, there's a little bit of distraction this week. You know, nothing they can control, but they're not, yeah. you know, they're not practicing on their home soil. You know, thing, things are a little bit different. Like I said, maybe a little bit of distractions, but I think I've, I think I've got LSU edging it out, but it should be a fun game too with the way UCLA was scored, was able to score the football last week. Yeah. Shep, what about you, man? Yeah, I agree. Totally. I, I, you know, I, I just think LSU surely, surely they won't embarrass us about getting beat by the Pac-12 first game of the year. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go LSU, but I think it's tight. And I think if UCLA show they have um, really increased their team speed under Chip Kelly, like they were flying around last week. And I think uh, is it Zach Charbonnet, the running back that they had that popped off for a couple runs last week. Yes, if they can establish a run game. Um, with DTR, Dorian Thompson Robinson's mobility, and if he can improve his passing upon his performance last week, LSU could be in real trouble. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with them um, eking it out um, in a close one, closer than the experts think, as Lee Corso would say. And that leads us into the final uh, prediction of the weekend. Florida State is hosting Notre Dame. I think this is a really intriguing matchup. When these teams come together, a lot of times, you know, it's a classic. And I think we're in for another classic um, this Sunday. Graham, really quickly, who you got? I think this might be the turn of Florida State's program. I think that Florida Florida State playing at home, I think the crowd's just going to be electric. They have something to play for. Finally, I mean, yeah, it, it's really that's really it. I, I think they they have talent on offense. You know, got you know Mackenzie Milton in. You know, the transfer portal, a guy coming back, did excellent at UCF. Tore up his knee. I think he gives Mike Norvell a a proven quarterback to lead this team. You know, you know, running back. It's like Jay Sean Corbin. I like them. I, I think I'm going to give the edge to Florida State. I think they squeak this one out. You know, Notre Dame losing a guy like Ian Book that was the heart and soul of their team for four years. Yep, it hurts. You 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 have you have you know big shoes to fill if that's the case. I'm going 
Florida State because I think they're playing at home in Tallahassee. Um, from the limited research I've done, I'm gonna they go to home team. I, yeah. I think I think that you know the Seminoles will be ready to go, and uh, I'm gonna give them the edge this year. Shep, who you got? Florida State. Man, I agree with you. Or Notre Dame. Let's go. I Come on, this you. upset alert, baby. I mean, shout out our man Kyle, but dude. Notre Dame. We don't we don't play with the Catholics. Shout out to all the Catholics that let you know. Um, we don't play with the Catholics. What a lie. Yeah, we uh yeah, we definitely I, I think Florida State, I agree totally with the McKinsey Milton statement. I mean the man was balling at, at UCF and I think he, he really Florida State just hasn't had a quarterback since Jameis Winston. I mean everybody no. wants to talk about about Blackman and Francois and they're just it's that ain't it, Chief. So I think Milton can do a can do a good job, really help turn things around. Hampton, are you jumping on the bandwagon with me and Graham? Guys, I hate to break it to you. Ooh. But I am. Let's go. Let's, go. Let's freaking go, man. Florida State's winning this football game. I am like I'm not jumping on the bandwagon like I was going I didn't think y'all were going to pick them. But in my, you know, my column at work on Monday, I picked them. And there's something – I think McKenzie Milton is due for, like, a magical performance. The dude hadn't played in two years, and I think I think he's going to light it up. And they're going to – I think they're going to platoon him and that Jordan Travis kid who's a really good runner, um, and they might use him in specialty situations. And I think McKenzie Milton is going to be the single reason that they win this game. Notre Dame's talented, but like you said, Graham, they lost Ian Book. They lost Liam Eikenberg, their left tackle, who started 38 games for them. They lost Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, who was the heart and soul of that defense and who was a – I mean, he was a legitimate player. I really liked him. Um, and they're starting Jack Cohn at quarterback, and I get he has Michael Mayer, who's a really good tight end. But their receiving core, it leaves a lot to be desired. I like their running back um, number. I can't remember. I think Tyron Williams. Yeah, Kyron Williams. Ky yeah, I really like him. I think he's a good player, and they always have a good offensive line. But it's in Tallahassee. It's at Dope Campbell. Chief Osceola is going to plant that spear in the turf, and Florida State is going to plant that L on Notre Dame's helmet. Let's go, Florida State. They're going to win on Sunday night. Hey, hey, boys, I got a question before we end. Okay. I know it's Sunday night. Y'all trying to make a move down there? <laughs> We're trying to make a move down there? Yeah, bro. Ooh. Hey, if I you mean, can give me some cheap tickets, come on. I would, hey, be, I would I mean, not they, be opposed to it. They got cheapest, them online for 89 bucks. Cheapest ticket, 89 bucks. I, I don't, I'm not that – I have been to a Florida State game before, and I'll yeah, tell you, yeah, the watch basketball, yeah. No, no, <laughs> sir. I've been to a Florida State football game before when they took on, bought the Ball State. I think they're Cardinals. Anyway, the yep, highlight of the right. game was in halftime. A Burger King mascot was streaking on the field, and he nice. eluded yeah. security. So that was the most exciting thing. So I don't think I'm going back for this game, but maybe in the future I might be down. Dope Camp was a cool place. Put, put me on standby, Shep. I'm not totally opposed to that idea. But uh, before, yeah, before, hey, before we get out of here, 
Uh, the last thing I'm going to say, I'm going to just, it's going to be a blanket statement. Y'all don't even have to respond. My team on upset alert, other than Notre Dame, the Texas Longhorns are going down to the Billy Napier fighting Raging Cajuns. Louisiana's beating Texas this weekend. Book it. Don't book it. Don't bet on it, folks, because you might lose your money. But I feel pretty confident about, about it. Um, so that's my upset pick of the week. Um, but uh, y'all got anything else before we get out of here? Are we ready to wrap this show up? I think that University of Louisiana and Texas could be the most exciting football game this weekend, and you heard that here first. So I think upset's a real good chance. Uh, both rank. I, I know Louisiana's ranked. You know the start of you know the start of Sark in Texas. Maybe they mm-hmm. come to play, but Louisiana is a good team. They got depth, especially for a, a group of five team. I, I like their chances for upset. I agree with you, Hampton. Oh, nice, Shep. You got any thoughts, man? Are we ready oh, to wrap man, it up? I've already spoken all. I've spoken all my piece. You're spoken all your piece. Well, that will do it, guys. That was a that was a ton of fun getting back together and talking college football. I know we've been on talking NFL, but man, there ain't nothing like you know, breaking down the SEC and, you know, the college football um, landscape for this upcoming year. I think it's going to be a really fun renaissance type year, as our guy, um, you know, guest of the podcast, Josh Pate, would say, with the return of crowds, return of pregame traditions, tailgating. I think we're in for a treat this year. And we hope you, our listener listeners, will stick around, uh, you know, all through this year, all through the season. We'll be coming at you each and every week, uh, breaking down previous games and picking picking the next ones and kind of, you know, following the storylines as they as they emerge throughout the season. Be sure to follow us on social media and wherever you get your podcasts. We're available on Spotify, Apple, Google, uh, I think Stitcher. Uh, so anywhere that you get your podcast, we're, we're available to listen to, and we hope you do that. Be sure to go follow our guy, Graham's Graham Kerger at Graham's Vintage Clothing to get um, some thrift um, shopping to add to your wardrobe. And be sure to join our Pick'em. Um, I'll send that link out again today or tonight uh, for people to join that. Hop in on the fun uh, before the season really gets kicked off. And, uh, you know, we hope you follow them. And maybe, you know, hey, start your own pool um, doing, you know, you can do – uh, last man standing, you can pick against the spread and you can do a variety of sports. They've got a lot of options for you to choose from. So go support them and uh, check back in with us next week. We'll be reacting to week one. Slate of games, we're pumped. If you can't tell, we're ready to ready to get right back into it. And, uh, you know, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, bye-bye.